0: Hello, love. Welcome. Thank you so much for dropping into time in the studio today, where we share behind the scenes stories of creatives and plant people and recount tales of change, connection, and plant seeds of possibility. I'm your host, Sarah Marie Miller, and my life is being transformed by plants, art, communities, and these conversations. And I hope these chats can help you along your journey as well. I am so excited to share with you the conversation I had with Margo Candelario. She is one of four generations working on a business called Young Female Farmers. These powerful women own and run a farm in Georgia outside of Athens and are serving food deserts with their delicious produce, pastries, and herbal goodies. They have been featured on NPR for changing the outlook of the farming industry and featured in the Huffington Post as one of the top 30 under 30 businesses. Be sure to follow their work at Young Female Farmers. They have beautiful photos and lots of great stories and videos. Uh, Margot is also an author, poet, and artist, and she created a book called Looking to the Clouds for Daddy. I love her storytelling, and we discuss the difference of pain and working through pain versus working around pain. We also talk about being witnessed and witnessing others, and her experiences growing up, and the power of owning her own business, and how to collaborate with a friend to write a book. She also discusses what it's been like as a Black woman living in Georgia right now and for the last number of years, and gives a painful reminder that we have so far to go to create racial equity in this country. There is so much we can do right now to heal and to help create more racial equity and justice. Read a book, make a call, write a journal entry of inner feelings and process through your own pain, through your own experiences. Send an email, donate money, send a gift, meditate, volunteer, start a book club, plant a garden, listen to a podcast. Let's do the work. Before we dive in, I wanna give a shout out to a couple of timelines this week. We have Casey Conselmo. He is from episode 20. He also created a children's book and recently made an amazing egg tempera painting of a corner of his room. It is definitely worth checking out. You can go to Instagram at Casey Consalmo and the link will be in the show notes. Uh, From episode 22, a shout out to Diane Kluck. She is arranging for a very special online performance coming up on Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Be sure to find her and details for the show on Instagram at Diane Kluck official. I'm sure that's going to be wonderful. I can't wait. And uh, last but not least, from episode 23, a shout out to Catherine Widner of Honeysuckle Handmade Studios. She is creating super beautiful earrings and books, and she donates 10% of all sales to Suwa, Sierra Club, Access Fund, and other nonprofits to protect our earth. Be sure to check her out at Honeysuckle Handmade Studio. Okay, without further ado, let's dive into the show. Cha-cha-cha. I am beyond delighted to have on the podcast today, Margot Candelario. She is an innovator and has been up to some incredibly hard, beautiful work throughout her entire life. But she began Young Female Farmers in 2006, and it is being recognized in some profound ways on NPR. They've just been noted as one of the top 30 under 30, number two on that list, and number five on the Huffington Post for innovative food production and systems. And they're just changing the future of this country in a really beautiful and profound way. So Margot, I just want to thank you so much for being here today. It's really a
1: blessing to be able to sit with you. Thank you so much. What a beautiful introduction. Yeah,
0: my pleasure. So I just... We've gotten into it a little bit, just you and I, but I would love yes. to hear maybe starting a little bit with what would you describe your world right now? And then maybe we can dive into the history of what brought you there, or however that feels right for you to kind of, you could start past, bring it into the present, or present, going into the past.
1: Okay, so my world right now is uh, centered around the farm. I spend my mom and my daughter and I, my daughter who is at home, we spend um, 85% of our time working around the farm, um, growing, cultivating, harvesting, marketing, selling, everything that is involved in the business of farming, we do. It's hard work. It, it it is it's a full time job, and I have other interests also, so it sometimes it takes a bit of navigating some creative navigating to wear the other two hats all three that I'm involved in, which is my visual art and my writing and being a mom
0: yeah, thank you for including that. I love that you're a visual artist and a mother and it's so beautiful to see how that kind of pulls things forward and i can see just in the way that you ha- you're writing on your website i can tell that you're an author and a writer you have a really Thank beautiful you. way with words and through your instagram posts as well and yeah the book that you wrote sounds so healing and really profound looking to the clouds for daddy and i can see nice. how that connects to healing for yourself and for your children as well. Yeah, the, the
1: book <laughs> the book, yes, I originally wrote it for uh my children and other children who have lost a parent by means of death, divorce, separation, all of it. Uh, no matter what the trauma, it's still separation from that parent, even mm-hmm. incarceration. Yes. And so it has been very successful, not only for children, but for adults, because a lot of times the adults who read or who preview the book end up in tears, not bad oh. tears, tears of joy, um, because it kind of expresses some feelings that they've they been unable to voice and whenever someone reads the book and i 'm in their presence, I see them just kind of welling up and saying "Thank you so much so it, it it's equally valued by children and adults.
0: Oh, just the thought of it actually speaking to you now makes my eyes well i think it's just so profound and important, I think to give people some healing and witnessing their pain of not having a father there with mm-hmm. them. I, I can't even imagine quite how painful that must have been. But I love that you're able to bring that kind of witnessing to people through a book.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's been quite therapeutic for me also. Yeah. Um, I grew up with both parents in the home. And so to experience the loss of my husband at such a young age, I was 32 years old (sighs) and he was 34 and in seemingly good health. He was 6'1", 155 pounds. So it wasn't an issue of hypertension or being obese or diabetic, but he had a heart attack. So those are kind of the things that, I mean, we know it happens, but you just don't think it's going to happen to you you know and it it did so my book as well as um my farming and my visual art I also wrote a book of poetry that was nominated author of the year and I had never written poetry in my life that's amazing
0: (laughs) you just you keep surprising me with more and more magic that you've done throughout your life that's so wonderful
1: yeah I it was just a mess I I feel like I've always had the ability to share things that have happened to me because I'm, I'm just like everybody else. You know, there's, I have a commonality with every other human being, every other woman who's experienced what has taken place. And yeah. I, I, It's a gift to be able to share those messages.
0: Mm -hmm. Just that you're able to connect with all humans and all women, and you're just Mm -hmm. able to find commonalities and links and bridges to bring you together with others.
1: Right. Yeah, I feel like it's always been my calling as a storyteller to lend my voice to those who may not necessarily have the ability to express it the same way that I do and then say, oh, wow, yeah, that's how I feel or that's how I felt or that's what happened to me. or, mm-hmm. And I just think it's a it's a blessing and I use it. That's so wonderful because I think that's,
0: it's one thing to have a gift and then it's another thing to have the confidence and the courage to put your heart out there and to connect with other people because it can be... Kind of scary, especially in, it, right now in this time. Like I think it's hard to be time, vulnerable. Yes.
1: Well, I think in this time, you have to use discretion yeah. and you have to know when to speak. There is a time, the Bible says, there's a time to speak and there's a time to be quiet. Mm-hmm. So I've learned from my youth, from my parents, to speak with boldness and conviction, but before that, always know for sure what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's something I've always advocated to my children. It's you know, it's okay to speak with conviction and be opinionated, but at least have your your facts straight.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: before you before you open your mouth, <laughs> you know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's a good yeah. reminder. Yeah. Yeah, so so my journey to this place that I'm in right now started on the West Coast. I was born in a military oh. town, San Bernardino, California, at Norton Air Force Base. My dad was in the Air Force. And there there were a lot of people who migrated to California. There's always been this long standing joke for me when I moved to New York at seventeen. There were guys on the block, like Jerry, who I mentioned, who said, you know, you weren't born in California. Nobody's born in California. And I I said, I really, for real guys, I was born in California. So there were a lot of (laughs) transplants there. And Mm -hmm. because it was a military environment, you know, everybody came from someplace else. And when you have an environment like that, they come with their homes and their teachings, and their practices. And that's where my exposure to agriculture began. Oh. My, both of my parents were born and raised in Harlem, New York. Mm-hmm. They didn't know anything about agriculture, or fresh air for that matter, but it was <laughs> a dream. It was a dream for people who lived in Harlem to leave that environment and go someplace that had fresh air and mountains or the beach or whatever, all the things that California has to offer, that's Mm -hmm. what they sought. You know, they wanted to get out of that oppressed environment that they were raised in. So here I'm born in California. We had some very good neighbors. who taught my parents about farming, taught them about how, you know, how to go to an auction and bid on cows and how Whoa. to purchase chickens and buying horses and pigs and and then growing food. So I've always, from the time I was three years old, I've ridden horses. A lot <sighs> of people here don't know that. That's um,
0: so they,
1: cool. Yeah, there are people here that know me to be a New Yorker, mm-hmm. not that you know I originated from the West Coast. Always mm-hmm. been around horses. Always grew um, vegetables, always had, had learned the responsibility of taking care of animals from birth.
0: Wow. That's
1: amazing.
0: So you were in California until you were
1: 17 and that's when you yes. moved to New
0: York. Okay.
1: Moved to, wow. I finished high school in New York. I was a junior in high school when I moved to New York and lived with my grandma. Loved it. Aww. But I, I spent all of my summers in New York. So I always felt like a New Yorker. I never mm-hmm. felt like the transition was going to be difficult. I, you know, I, I moved right into place, learned the train si- system, where, whereas it was difficult for my mom because she had been away from New York for so many years to, mm-hmm. to revert back to that place. It wasn't pleasant for her. Because for her, it felt like it was a step backwards. Mm. But for me, it was a, a time of growth, and I was able to find my voice.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. That seems, I can see how New York makes you get crystal clear about what you want and what you don't want, and voicing your feelings and voicing your opinions creates this clarity.
1: It does. And if if you don't get with it, you get run over. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. So I feel like my parents, even though I was born in California, had prepared me for that journey because mm-hmm. they were from New York. So mm-hmm. it was just part of their teaching the way they taught um, by means of storytelling and friends that would come and visit. You know, I would always get the prequel to who they were Back in the day, so I I was well prepared and well versed and well read to be able to uh, move through that environment. This new environment, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: Were they creatives as well? I'm just curious, like, if that if they kind of helped spark that or where that creative uh, visual Uh, art
1: element came in. Yes, my father did some cartooning. Oh. And was quite a writer himself. And his brother actually worked for Sesame Street oh. and was a, a fantastic artist and went to uh, visual arts in New York. My mother, she says the creative bug missed her. Uh-huh. And that's not true. She, <laughs> <laughs> it, oh. it just doesn't resonate the way it did with, you know, me and, and my dad, but she yeah. definitely has creative side and I can she can you know put me under the table with a crossword puzzle so let's just say I love that she's got a way with words you know Mm. um and my aunt um on her sister my mom's sister was a fashion designer and had her own line of cosmetics and she still lives in California she lives in Riverside so they're there's definitely been a lot of creatives on both sides of the family. And so I, I got it by means of, um, DNA.
0: (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. That sounds like (laughs) an amazing background to have and just community and family just to be able to inspire each other and have that
1: kind of. Those are the things, those are the elements that are absolutely necessary, um, for success. You have to have some sort of stability, some, some bulwark of, you know, family and community that helps mm. stabilize um, an individual so that they oh. know that even if they don't succeed the fifth, sixth, seventh time, they still have those stories to re- reflect upon yes. or, If it's not a story, you can go knock on that person's door and say, hey, this is what happened. You know, what did you do? And how can I get past this?
0: Yeah, that's such a beautiful reminder. It just gives me chills. And there's like a little sparkle in the air when you talk about that. I feel like there is something about community and family and just having being able to make those mistakes and kind of check in with other people and have them be able to remind you, okay, yeah, yeah, you can make mistakes and you can move past it too. Mm -hmm. So that's really Mm -hmm. beautiful just to have that. I'm curious if there's any, any times that stand out to you as moments where you've maybe taken a misstep or something that wasn't always what you planned and, how other people
1: have helped you through that? Wow, I've, I've made so many. <laughs> it's interesting that you asked that question because when you have children oh. and they don't do what you plan for them to do, mm-hmm. um, then that's a time of reflection on the parents' part to say, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I did the same thing Mm -hmm. and it's very difficult to allow them as adults to make the same mistakes. We have a tendency to forget Mm -hmm. that we were in the same place that they are in now. And they don't always recognize that as a parent that I was in the same place they are in now, you know, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I yeah. remember when I was younger, I never thought that my mom was a young person. I always thought mommy was old, you know, that's just, <laughs> that's what, that's how kids, they you know, see us, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> we Absolutely. never had those feelings about mm-hmm. boys or, you know, or I'm mad at my girlfriend because, you know, you don't understand. And, and my mom would say, I do understand. I have mm-hmm. those same feelings. So now that I'm an, an, a parent and my children are all adults, 23, mm-hmm. 25, and 28, mm-hmm. I still see some of the things that they're doing that kind of make me, you know, tense up wow. um, because I've been there. When yeah. I've, I'm learning that they have to they have to make those mistakes, they have to learn to move through, through those ideologies, and that as a parent, I I have to be here when they come to me and say, I messed up. Yeah. Now what do I do? <laughs> You're like, uh, I told you so, but... Yeah, and also (laughs) we'll get through this (laughs) exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. So, you have this amazing business for generations now your Mm -hmm. mother, your daughters, your granddaughter. I'm just kind of curious how you've created this. Has there been a clarity of vision? Has it changed over the years? Like, when it started in
1: 2006. How, how, did, this how did it all happen? Yeah. M- my dad in the 70s was an entrepreneur. He had a profession. He was a gemologist. Oh. Um, actually, one of the first African-American gem- gemologists in the state of California.
0: Wow. Amazing.
1: But yes, but he, did not, he didn't feel that that was his calling. He had these ideas that he wanted to own his own business. And he had many. Mm-hmm. But the one that really sticks out uh, in my mind was that he had a bakery truck. Mm. And this truck had a horn on it that you, know, you would drive and pull down on a horn. It would go toot, toot, and he would drive through the neighborhood with these donuts. And then he, wow. later on, he added breads and canned goods. And he went into the communities that were actually food deserts wow. back in the 70s. And most of the people that lived in these communities, they weren't projects. They were low-income home rental properties, Mm -hmm. would spend their entire check with him because they depended on him to come out there and bring them food. Wow. Yeah. So it came to me, uh, of course, um, having to become uh, this resilient individual with three babies, because when my husband passed away, I didn't work. He he allowed me to stay home and take care of the children. So I was pregnant and was unable to get a job. So I had mm. to think about how am I going to support my children? Yeah, the bakery business came to mind. Mm. So I started teaching the girls about sweet potato pies, which my father had taught me how to make. Oh, yum! That's yeah, amazing. and. This recipe, you know, and I wasn't the baker, you know, I was everything else. And so I wasn't adding baking to the repertoire, but the, the recipe came to mind. It was never written down. Mm-hmm. We started making these pies and we decided to, to uh, start a little business at the farmer's market. So we did that for about three years, maybe five. I can't even remember now, but we were out every Saturday at this market selling pies. And then we added some cakes and we added banana bread and muffins and things like that. Yeah. And then we were asked to go to another market. We were wooed away in another county. And we did that for a couple of years also. But in between that time, we started doing the garden. Because my mom had uh, retired, she worked for the stock exchange and moved down here to help me with the girls. Mm-hmm. And she says, "You know, we need a garden." And she said, and I said, "I don't have time for garden Mom. I'm doing everything mm-hmm. else. I, you know." So she said, "Well, I'll do it." And she started this little small plot um, in the backyard. Mm-hmm. But then the plot got bigger <laughs> and bigger.) <laughs>
0: As gardens tend to do. As gardens tend to
1: do. Yeah. And so we incorporated the produce with the baking. Mm. And then we started marketing. And then we started getting a lot of press Mm. because of the whole family dynamic. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people don't understand. They want to, but they're not sure how to achieve the recognition or the, I shouldn't say recognition, the attention that um, you can get via marketing. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I'm curious to know more about
1: that. Yeah. Sometimes people don't understand that a lot of agriculture is business. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. it may not be my favorite thing to do, but it's absolutely necessary in, in order to become visible and visible visibility is is really important because this is this industry is so it's a tight it's a tight community but they're very competitive Mm -hmm. and a lot of farmers may not want to admit that but i could see that air of uh competitiveness at the market you Mm -hmm. know who's going to come out with the first cucumbers who's got the first tomatoes who's got you know and or what are your tomatoes looking like? You know, when it should not be about competition, it should be, it, it's, it should be about feeding the community and giving yeah. the best product that you can give, the most healthiest. And it should be, in my opinion, about educating people the, about the importance of eating healthy food. Mm. Foods like okra in the African-American community but not just the african american community and because everybody is suffering with diabetes it's the, yeah. this disease you know is not discriminatory at all you know so eating okra is good for leveling out blood sugar mm-hmm. or helping with hypertension lowering cholesterol it does a host of things to help the body so wow. as a farmer i feel like i have it is my responsibility to educate people about the benefits of the medicine in the plant. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that, that all of that is part of the marketing aspect of what we do. We're not just, you know, sitting setting up a stand and saying, here's some cucumbers. We're saying you can ferment these cucumbers and fermented foods are good for the gut. You yeah. know? You're educating um, and,
0: I, and activating people to really be creative with their food. I love that.
1: Right, right. Um just introducing them to new tastes and textures and colors and just a whole nother, a whole nother world. Mm. Like you mentioned in a previous um, interview that you did, he, Justin, I think his name was, said yes. a portal. Yeah. So it's a portal. Yeah, I love that. Away from fast food, away from oppression. It's a whole nother, if you think about it, Mm. what was the original farm community? The Garden of Eden, if you're a Bible reader. Mm -hmm. It all started in the Garden of Eden.
0: Yeah. So it makes sense.
1: Yeah, that um, human beings would have an affinity to growing food and learning about Mm. plant science and you know environment and taking care of animals it's it's just innately in us as humans to want to cultivate these feelings about yeah. nature mm-hmm.
0: yeah i'm curious i love that you're helping to connect people to nature more and especially serving food deserts and i love that your father helped do that too, and was an innovator in California in the 70s, bringing bread to Mm -hmm. food deserts. And now you're kind of carrying that lineage through more plants. plants. And Yes. Yeah, that's so beautiful and super inspiring. I saw, I read a little bit on your website about how your experiences at the farmer's market inspired you to want to actually break out and serve food deserts more. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that if you want to share
1: anything. Sure. So with the, the amount of years that we spent at both farmers markets, two different counties, I noticed that we were not serving the niche market that I wanted to reach. Yeah. They uh, began busing in people of color to the market in one of the counties that I was uh, serving. And you know, it kind of reminded me of the whole busing thing that took place in the 70s when I was in elementary school and how people Mm -hmm. um, had an aversion towards bringing people from an outside community into their environment and it made Mm -hmm. them uncomfortable. So I saw that there was a degree of angst among the people of color coming into the farmer's market. Mm -hmm. One, the pricing, there were the, the food was not priced at the amount that they could afford comfortably. Yeah. Right. Most of them are on a budget or would have the EBT. And even with that, there's a stigma. Because if I'm walking around with a wooden chip and not having the same coin that the other individual has, already I'm standing out as somebody different. hmm So they had to come walk around to the vendors with these wooden chips to purchase certain things. Number two, they were only purchasing things that they could identify. Mm -hmm. No one was taking the time to educate them on different foods. For example, something that you might find, you know, it's commonality for you, that's asparagus. Someone of color who's never you know, seeing asparagus is not going to ask because that's embarrassing. You're an adult mm-hmm. and you have to ask another adult, what, that, what is that? Yeah. You know, you're, you're in this yeah. vulnerable place and it just, it wasn't comfortable for them. That makes a lot sense. Yeah. So I think I use the, the, the vegetable kohlrabi. Mm-hmm. A lot of farmers had it. Well, I, didn't know what kohlrabi was. I've seen it. Yeah. I know the word. But <laughs> yeah, I've never, seen it,
0: but I've never cooked it either. So I, I would never be like, oh. cooked it.
1: I've never <laughs> cooked it. But now of late, I've experienced it and mm-hmm. it's a lot like cabbage. It's nothing to be afraid <gasps> oh. of. So mm-hmm. people of color are very much, they know what cabbage is. We've grown up on cabbage. Cabbage mm-hmm. is a common vegetable. So if, if a vendor took the time to say, hey, it's just a smaller version of cabbage, or you can make it like coleslaw. You know, mm-hmm. something that everyone could relate to, so that I feel like I'm on mm-hmm. the same playing level as you. Then yeah. I can I can move through the market with ease and not feel like, uh, this is something that's out of my league. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and then I also noticed something else, which was kind of reverse discrimination, and it was that the people of color would look at our table and walk past us and go to the white vendor wow. as if that's... as if people of color don't know about farming yeah
0: wow that is so i think we all have work to do around racism like
1: mm-hmm.
0: everyone we all do
1: yes yes and that's because of this whole ideal that uh, farming was something that caused us so much oppression and I don't want to have anything to do with it. And I've heard, I've been in circles with that, with that discussion and I get it. I mean, yes, it can be a discussion, but does it make sense? Not real because Mm -hmm. we're so far removed from, you know, people actually working in the cotton fields and, and, you know, blacks and whites or people of color and white folks, they both pick cotton. Mm-hmm. So I think it's almost like this learned conversation, mm-hmm. this, this idea that, you know, my ancestors had to sweat and, you know, and pick cotton and grow watermelon or whatever the heck, it, whatever produce it was that they were forced to do on the plantations. And therefore, I don't want to have anything to do with farming. Mm. But do you like to eat? <laughs> yeah. That's do you know where your food comes from? Right Now. Yeah,
0: and something else that I brings to mind, as you're saying that on your website, you talk about creating food pennies to create pounds of food, you know, like the way that a few seeds can feed you for you know, a whole season and just the way that you can save money by growing your own food
1: too. And that's right. There's nothing more gratifying than being able to put a seed in the ground and watch the plant grow and produce its own fruit and know where it came from, know that you were the one that nurtured that plant, what you put on it, whether you chose to, um, be organic or conventional, but you are in control of what you put in your mouth. You took care of that plant. And that's power. That is power. That's something that no one can take from you.
0: Mm, I love that. That's so beautiful. Thank you for that reminder. And something about this conversation also reminds me of when you were talking about the book, it may have been off record but we were talking about the way that initially when your husband died you were working around the pain and then Mm -hmm. eventually you learned to work through the pain something about what you're saying with this is like working around the pain of like avoiding the pain of agriculture as trauma and Mm -hmm. right now I can see how you're working through it and like bringing this healing and witnessing and kind of transforming this experience through being able to feed your family and all these other families too. There's just like this healing that I see through you witnessing and transforming this growth. Yeah. Wow.
1: Thank you. I had you, you saying that and me hearing it It's like, I said that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's, I feel like, yeah, it's kind of, it's yeah. that power of witnessing. Like, I just keep noticing it in my own life. Just when I'm witnessed, it helps me to heal. And I can see through your book, like, just people being witnessed. There's, there's mm-hmm. some sort of power in that. So I just,
1: yeah. You have to have the right mindset and the right heart condition to allow these things to be teaching tools. Mm -hmm. Because if we continue to move through life as selfish individuals, because we are, we're all born in sin, Mm -hmm. um, then the lesson is never learned. Mm -hmm. You know, we can preach all day long how important it is to love and to be accepting. But if you don't truly have the right heart condition, it never happens. It's always superficial. It's, Mm -hmm. It's just... You know, this, this thing, you know, we're taught to be because it's polite, but it doesn't mean that that's truly how you feel. It needs to permeate every cell in our bodies in order mm-hmm. for it to manifest in truth.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, there's something about that, just feeling what's going on within the body to kind of help move through things Mm -hmm. I love Mm -hmm. that I'm curious with this book how if we could just dive into that a little bit how did you write the book how did you collaborate with the visual author who's sounds like he's up to some amazing work too jerry
1: yes so I wrote the story when my girls were in elementary school And it's about them lying outside and looking up at the clouds and talking about the different shapes and how some of those shapes remind them of their dad. Mm. So, you know, I wrote the story, I let it lie, I didn't do anything with it. I always wanted to make it into a book, but really just didn't, you know, I thought I've got so many things going on. Is this one of those things that's just not going to happen? Only because my heart wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. And so my friend Jerry, you know, he called me up and he said, I think it's time because we had had a series of conversations about my being motivated or unmotivated. And he felt like it was time for me to get moving. I had been on this pity pot for some time. And it was, you know, he Mm -hmm. said, "Your, Your talent is just festering. We need to do something with it. So I sent him the story and then he kind of collaborated with another, uh, author, um, Karen Hunter. She loved the book, the story and decided to publish it. Now for as far as the illustrations uh, are concerned, Jerry lives in Connecticut and here Mm -hmm. I was in Georgia. Mm -hmm. So I was able to just kind of send him a few pictures of the girls. And he, had, he knew the girls since they were born. So oh, wow. he was able to do the book just from, you know, phone conversations in the computer. Oh, and wow. it turned out to be magnificent.
0: Oh, that's so cool. I love hearing that, especially in this time. I feel like there's something powerful about being able to work with someone long distance. Cause it's what we have right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Virus. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course mm-hmm. there our, our long-term friendship had a lot to do mm-hmm. with it too, because we know each other like the back of our hands. So mm-hmm. he knew what I wanted and what I needed to make this, to tell the story. And, and he was right there for me and, and it happened.
0: Mm-hmm. Amazing, that's so beautiful. I'm curious too. so you're wearing so many hats, you know you're a mother, an artist, a writer, a farmer, a baker, a so you know social justice activist, I feel like through this work you know you're like doing really powerful work in the world. How do you juggle all those hats? How do you make time for each thing or know what to do each day? Is there a way that you kind of structure your time or structure all these things that you're doing?
1: No, I kind of let my body tell me what I need to do for that day. Some days I get up and my body says, no, you don't need to be in the garden. You were in the garden enough yesterday and the day before. Mm-hmm. Or no, you don't need to cut the grass, and so that's why on Tuesday I fished because mm. that's what I needed to do. I needed to go outside and um, pray and talk to the animals and cast my line. You mm-hmm. know, and I did that for about two hours. After the fish kept eating my bait, <laughs> and I, didn't ca- <laughs> I didn't catch anything. Oh, no. I said, okay. You Know and it, and it started to heat up, it was getting humid, and I thought, okay, mm-hmm. it's time to come in. Some days I wake up, I listen to music, I love Earth, Wind, and Fire, they've always mm. inspired me. Mm-hmm. Or I listen to Marvin Gaye, I'm always listening to things that have stories and, and, and have meaning. Mm-hmm. And if I'm playing my music, then my mom and my daughters know, okay, she's gonna paint. So mm. then I'm in there working, you know, with pastels or oh, cool. creating something. I, I'm also a rug hooker. So I make rugs with early American rugs with oh. uh, strips of wool oh, cool! and I design my own rugs. Oh. So it's either the painting or, or, you know, or it's the rug hooking, or sometimes I'll wake up and I'll say, I need to read or mm-hmm. I'll listen to a podcast or, you know, right now I'm reading, um, a book by Martin Luther King, Why We Can't Wait, Mm, mm -hmm. you know, or I'm looking at, I'm reading Chaucer or Guide de Maupassant. You know, there's just a variety of things that I do to feed my busy mind. Mm, Beautiful. Because I'm, yeah, I'm always thinking about what to do next. And I'm often told that I need to sit down. <laughs> just be and is that, just be still. Uh,
0: is that your daughters who say that to you or your mom? Yes. Or yes all of the my above. daughters.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. So like, mom, sit down. That's cute. Sit down. Just relax. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. I'm always thinking. I've always been that child. hmm Always. That's beautiful. I love that. I'm curious. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm gonna have
0: to put that book, Martin Luther King's book, on my reading list. So it sounds
1: like yes, a you, one. So, you you should. Yes, you really should.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. I'm curious. Are there other podcasts that you've been listening to these days that are kind of feeding your soul that you want to suggest to other people? Is there anything that you?
1: No, not nothing. That's really feeding my soul. It's just that I enjoy good conversation. Mm -hmm. I like to listen to people who have ideas that are forward thinking that are not stuck. Mm -hmm. I, you you know, I I believe in progress and I believe that when, when um, I sit down with someone and we are having a discussion or we're breaking bread, uh, it needs to be something that's very positive. And I hope that at the end of the conversation, we've, come up with a solution mm-hmm. because there are plenty of problems to discuss. And <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, but then, then that's that vicious circle mm-hmm. that becomes cyclical and never ending. And the, you know, then you, you get into this, this quagmire and mm-hmm. it becomes very heavy and stagnant and weighty. And that's, I can't be forward thinking in that type of environment. Mm -hmm. So I put myself in a position where I can listen to things that are uplifting and offer a solution. Mm, I love that. And it doesn't always have to be a happy solution, but a solution nonetheless. And that's part of that working through, working through and not around. Yeah.
0: Diving into the problem and like really brainstorming and kind of navigating some solutions. Are there any solutions or ideas that you've noticed that you want to give voice to or ideas that are kind of want to be sung?
1: I think that the idea of community is an important idea and it can lend to great discussion, but I think that we are so far from it mm-hmm. that there is no solution at the moment. Mm-hmm. So because I understand that, I think what I do as an individual by wearing all these different hats helps me to continue to progress. Mm-hmm. You know, that I don't become stagnant in my, in my own thoughts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because it doesn't take much to sit down and ponder what's going on in the world today. Yeah. But is there is, you know, and I don't delve into politics. Mm -hmm. I just do not. But but as I mentioned previously, because I am a Bible reader, I understand Bible prophecy Mm -hmm. and I know exactly what's taking place. And I also know that this has to take place in order for us to move forward according to Bible prophecy. So that's what I focus on. My yeah. hope is in what's been promised. And I don't dwell on the negative space that we're in right now because I know it's not going to last forever. Yeah. But in the meantime, I've been given these gifts and these blessings to do the things that I do. And I utilize my my voice to help others, or as you say, witness to others about, you know, things and how they can be. Mm-hmm. If you choose to learn to grow your own food, if you choose to become proactive about your health, mental, physical, and spiritual, these are the things that you can do. And they're just basic things. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the you know, the th- things that we as humankind have been how what's the word I'm looking for how we've been exposed to these mm-hmm. things from the very beginning of mankind's existence mm-hmm. plants plants
0: yeah plants are so powerful
1: so powerful. <laughs> yes
0: I'm curious you were talking about how you're learning about some of the plants on your property I'm curious if anything is like in bloom right now or really calling out to you or anything you want to name that you've been spending time with?
1: Okay. So let's talk about the yellow dock. Yeah. So yellow dock is an invasive plant. It has completely taken over my horse pasture. My horses have no grass in their Mm -hmm. pasture because the yellow dock has taken over. Whoa. So You know, I'm frantic about having neighbors because I don't have my own tractor or bush hog, which Mm -hmm. I would like to have. But I'm frantic about finding someone to come and bush hog the pasture so I can see my horses. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, I start learning about the yellow dock and its properties. And how the root, not only the root, but the leaves, Mm -hmm. also are extremely valuable to the body, Mm -hmm. to the blood, which is our life source, to the liver, to the kidneys. It's just a dynamic plant. Mm -hmm. And then when COVID hit, people were really, you know, upset about, you know, they were afraid, oh my gosh, I'm going to get this virus, I'm sick, I need to build up my immunity, and I was at the post office every day selling the, the root. Oh, so I thought, amazing. Yes, I was selling the roots like crazy in the spring. Mm-hmm. So then I thought, hey, guys out there, you just going to have to deal with the doc meeting your password. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's a great crop to have. It's That's a great wonderful. crop to have, Yes. So we just got the pasture bush hogged about three weeks ago down to the quick. And um, I was able to see my horses again. But since we've had so much rain, it's back up again. Mm. So I'm, I thought, wow, you know, I'm not going to stress over it because this is a living plant that's vital to our bodies and yeah. our health. So I'm, I'm putting up with that. So yellow dock is number one on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, dandelion is number two. Had a bumper oh, yes. crop of dandelion oh. all over the yard this year. Awesome. Same thing, going back and forth to the post office. You know, with the with that mullen is cropping up, which mm. I posted on my. Yes, page. I saw that. Uh-huh. I love mullen. Yes, it's, mm. it's so inviting. It just makes you mm-hmm. just want to, you know, <laughs> pet, pet it almost. So, so soft. soft. And yes. so good for the
0: lungs too. It's very timely and helpful for people at this time.
1: Yes. So I've made a lot of mullen tincture nice. and mullen tea. Yes. The other crop that I have that's wildcrafted is the uh, plantain. Mm-hmm. plantain just grows and i get these ginormous leaves these oh, cool. huge you know batches of plantain all over the yard uh, oh, and i've learned that. about you making um infused oils with them mm-hmm. that keep the mosquitoes away so oh, I, you know I didn't i'm dousing my that. stuff they don't like the smell that's so cool so that's part of my ritual before I go out in the garden in the morning is I'm just dousing myself with the oil. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's awesome. Oh, my gosh.
1: Yes. Not only that, it's great for the joints. So mm-hmm. I rub it in my, in my wrists, in my hands, on my fingers, my knees, I massage it in, you know, and it is wonderful for inflammation, Not just you know chewing up the leaves and putting it on bug stings and things like that. It just it's a host of things. I even put it in my hair, yeah, on my scalp. So good
0: for you, yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah, those are those are the the main native plants. I've got a lot of blackberry. I just discovered Mm -hmm. um, another lady who lives nearby. She came over and showed me that I had elderberries.
0: And also, Oh, that's what that is. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh! What a yeah. gift!
1: It, that's yes. so incredible. Yeah, we do. We have. We offer a wild crafting safari here on the property.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! What a cool idea! Yeah,
1: yeah. That's yeah. Great. We offer that with our farm tours, where you can, after we do like a little Q and A about our farm and what we're growing and why, then we can go around the area, the whole area, and kind of pick out different indigenous plants and talk about what they're good for. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it kind of gives people a chance to learn to identify plants. Plant identification is key because you can misidentify a plant very easily and Mm -hmm. just don't want to poison yourself. One Mm -hmm. of the things that I do not have any knowledge of are uh, mushrooms.
0: Mm-hmm. Don't ask
1: Margot nothing about mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, mushrooms are I just tricky. Know it's a mushroom. That's yeah. Why. I just know that's a mushroom. To... <laughs> yeah, and you don't want to mess around with mushrooms unless you know no. for sure. So that's that's, that's right. Why. So that's one of those things that on the safari, if you see a mushroom, don't I don't, <laughs> don't don't pick it up. Don't yeah. even pick it up. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, there's always more to learn. There's always more to learn with plants and yes. with yes. gardening. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm I'm curious. I want to honor your time and thank you so much for making time today. But I'm curious if there's other things coming to the surface you want to name. I'm also realizing almost all my listeners are business owners. So if you're an artist, if you're an herbalist, if you're a farmer, if you're a doula, like that's you're you're an independent business. So I'm curious if you have any um, suggestions for business owners or for people who are wanting to work with plants more support people in food deserts? That's a lot of different (laughs) questions, so. Yes, you know, (laughs)
1: the first thing that I, what I was really thinking about, I thought you were good, you were leading to, if, you know, if I had any feelings about people who want to transition into growing Mm -hmm. their own food. That's what was on my mind. Yeah,
0: let's go there.
1: My first suggestion would be to sit down with a a pen and and paper and ask yourself, whole-souled, why do you want to farm? Mm -hmm. What is the reason for it? Is it monetary? Is it for health reasons? Is it to educate? Is it to feed someone in your community? What is the reasoning behind it? And if you can answer the question honestly, then you'll be successful. You won't be all over the place because you mm-hmm. will be specific in your end goal. Mm-hmm. in your end goal, not goal. your end goal. Mm-hmm. You know, oh. I know that the reason I do it is because I like to educate people about plants and food. So I understand I will never be rich, Mm -hmm. but people who are into big ag, that's their end goal. And -hmm. therefore they make big bucks in agriculture. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that wasn't the reason why I did it. I did it because I wanted to teach my girls how to be um, self-sufficient because of my circumstance. Mm -hmm. Um, My circumstance became their circumstance, but it was that I lost my husband and I wasn't employed. Mm -hmm. So I had to figure a way out, a way to make money to support my family. And I wanted to teach them that in the event something like this happens to you, it could be a different story, same story, but different day, mm-hmm. um, how you survive through that. Mm-hmm. And that's something that my father gave me that spirit of entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. the ability to learn to you dust yourself off and keep going. You never lay down. Yeah. And that's why my mind is always moving.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My art really became a profession out of necessity because again i did not work mm-hmm. so i knew that i could not it wasn't a hobby for me if i only got one canvas could only afford one canvas i had to make it work mm-hmm. there was no <clears throat> place for me to experiment or you know or play it was yeah. it was all about the business so but with the food it's that's not the case mm-hmm. So I've kind of moved through all of that trauma and arrived here at uh, a nurturer and a steward of the land. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I can see how you're such a steward of that land and how it's healing you as well to tend to that space. And it's just beautiful to see. I love the videos that you offer of your property it's just soothing I'm like oh my god this is my meditation today it's just watching Margot's video so oh
1: <laughs> really... well thank you you saw my Mama. koi my koi came to visit me the other day when I was out there fishing he just oh. kind of made an appearance and then he swam off you know he said oh. hey hey mommy you know and kept going about his day yeah I love
0: that. That's so beautiful. And I can see how your resilience, and I feel like that's something that keeps coming up, is knowing your why. And if you can be really clear about your why in what you're doing, then you're able to be more resilient and have that kind of focus of knowing, does this fit? Does this align with my purpose, my mission
1: or not? Right, but it requires honesty and humility, which is something Mm. that many people today lack. There is Mm. no humility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if you can be 100, and you have to know yourself. So if you can be 100% honest with who you are as an individual, Mm -hmm. not for anyone else, but for you, Mm -hmm. then you can decide whether or not you want to become this person, this steward of the land and, and why. Mm -hmm. or why you want to write the book or why you want to, you know, show your art. Mm -hmm. You have to be honest. Mm -hmm.
0: Is there anything that's helped you drop into that place of honesty and humility and clarity?
1: I've always been that person. Yeah. I love that. I've always been that person.
0: Yeah, I can see how you're connection with your family and with yeah just they can see that you can feel that mm-hmm. in you so that's really beautiful
1: i was always that child i was always the. i was an only child oh, so i spent a lot of time outside with my animals outside with the plants and with older neighbors my neighbor um who was a cowboy from wyoming <laughs> um yes he had to have been 200 years old when I was 10. <laughs> and he, his name was Mr. Beebe. And mm-hmm. Mr. Beebe, he looked he looked like he had lived a really hard life. And the majority mm-hmm. of the kids in the neighborhood didn't talk to him. They were scared of him. He had a hunchback. He had broken mm-hmm. his back, I don't know how many times, from bronc riding. And my father was a friend of his, so I would go with my dad over there. Mm-hmm. And he had read every Lewis Lemoore book that was ever written. Mm-hmm. He had walls and walls of books about the West and he had all kinds of inventions mm-hmm. and his tool shed was immaculate. Everything was, I mean, in its place, never out of place. His chicken mm-hmm. coop never had, never dirty, never mm-hmm. smelled. Just, and and his garden was something that Could have won all kinds of awards, and I I was just enamored with, and could not understand how this person who walked with this very bad limp, Mm -hmm. you know, and faulty gait, could tend the garden the way he Mm -hmm. did, or cut his grass, you know. And he would tell me, you know, slow and steady Mm -hmm. wins the race, and I never forgot that about Mister. Beebe.
0: I love that never story it just it.
1: you paint such a yeah. picture.
0: I can just like see it all just his his kind of slow, steady clarity yeah.
1: yes, and focus because mm-hmm. he understood who he is, he who he was, mm-hmm. and why mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so back to my my story about me i 've always been that child. I was never. A person that had to be told by my parents twice. Mm -hmm. You know, I understood that when they had company, I was not to be seen or heard. I was outside, Mm -hmm. you know, away from grown folks' conversations. (laughs) I was never disrespectful. I had a healthy fear of their parenting. And I just stayed in my place. But in my place, I made space for the things that I loved. Mm. and that was books and my animals and my plants Mm,
0: beautiful I can see how that's just like a lifelong journey of connecting to those deep loves that are so transformative plants and animals and books and art Mm -hmm. what a beautiful path you're on so inspiring thank you yeah I'm curious, Margo, if there's um, anything else you're feeling like you want to name or voice in our conversation to share with people.
1: I think, yes, I do. I would like to say this. I would like for people to understand that farming is very difficult. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a, a huge challenge, and especially for women and women of color. Who continue to nurture the land because they choose to feed their families or their communities or whatever the reasoning it is. It's a difficult task and that it's important to support them. I understand that the big box stores provide everything in, you know, four, four walls. So it's a convenience, but it's important to dial back. Mm-hmm. Um, to what's truly important and mm-hmm. that's supporting those who feed the community mm-hmm. also consider helping manually coming to help mm-hmm. is is key too yeah. like I said we do have a, a community here that is full of farmers but because they are so competitive if you're not in the club you don't receive the help that we need. We don't, let me just say, I don't mm-hmm. receive the help that I need. Mm-hmm. As a, an older, I'm 56 years old. So I'm in that, that area, that, that age group that where you know, people are, we're kind of getting out of the farming because we're not physically strong enough to do the work required. And here mm-hmm. my mom is 82. Wow. <laughs> She's 82 years old and trying to still run circles around me. Mm-hmm. So We're both out there competing against each other. <laughs> but, and, yeah, You know, as I mentioned, I have two that are doing their, they have their own careers now. Of course, mm-hmm. they're always, when they have time, come back to help. Or if we we've been asked to lecture. We were asked to lecture in Savannah last year at the Senior Hunger Summit. So my middle daughter was able to get off from work. The nurse was unable to come because they, they, her job said it was a conflict, mm-hmm. both state employees, so she couldn't come. So mm-hmm. for those types of events, when we're commissioned to um, do speaking engagements, we all kind of come together when we can. But for the most part, it's Trey tending the horses and mom and I are out in the garden. Mm-hmm. So it would be nice to have people, you know, to come and say, you know, hey, I'm here to volunteer. You know, um, what can we do? Or another thing that really kind of gets under my skin is when people dispute my pricing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, you know, and I, and my thing is this, when you go into the mall and you see a blouse that you want, you don't question the salesperson as to why it cost that amount, you know? So if I'm selling my, Tomatoes at two dollars a pound. That's which such a deal. Low. That's super low. It's yeah. Why, don't ask me why it's I don't sell it for a dollar a pound. Because you're not taking it into consideration. Well, not even consideration. You don't care about the time mm-hmm. that it took to put that seed in the ground and nurture it or mm-hmm. to water it or mm-hmm. to you know, remove the weeds from it or deal with the fungus and the mold and the bugs. You know, so don't question me about my pricing.
0: Yeah. It's just so you either I feel you like pay people
1: it you do know. that. And it's so maddening. It's like, it is.
0: It's the That's, price is the yes. price.
1: <laughs> the price is the price. Either you pay it or you don't. Mm-hmm.
0: We yeah. don't have
1: to be, you know, we don't have don't haggle me mm-hmm. about the value of my time. Mm-hmm. So
0: maybe we can put a call out to listeners near Athens, Georgia to volunteer perhaps. I don't know if that's,
1: if that's something that you would want. Yeah, you can do that. Sure. Let's see what happens. Yeah. We'll just
0: see what happens. Throw so. it out. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so
0: volu- or also a reminder to people to, if they have farms that they believe in, in their local area to volunteer for wherever they live, you can volunteer for farms and especially supporting women of color and black women who are running farms. I think to support those organizations right now would be really profound.
1: Right. Right. And then to actually put out the fact that we have the farm tours and with our farm tour, We offer the Q&A, we offer the Wild Crafting Safari, and we offer lunch.
0: Oh my gosh, yum. I want to go. Next time I come to Athens, I'll have to. Yes. As long as there's no virus and I can go to Athens. Right.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) I want to go. Yeah, we we do. We have um, that unique aspect of our farm tour. Yes. amazing. That sounds Mm -hmm. like so much fun. Yeah, yeah. So was there anything else that you wanted to ask?
0: Just knowing about your business, knowing about your art. I mean, I feel like we covered so much. I guess I'm curious, is there anything you would do differently? I guess that's something that I'm always curious if you, along this path, is there anything you would change?
1: I don't think so.
0: I love that. No regrets.
1: No regrets. Even through... The difficulties because I think that I'm one hundred percent sure that if we hadn't lost my husband, we wouldn't be living here and we wouldn't have a mm-hmm. farm, you know. Yeah. We may have ended up going back to New York because it was so tough coming mm-hmm. from New York down here. Mm-hmm. Transition was just incredibly difficult because the money, because just because I we weren't from here, we weren't mm-hmm. accepted. And it was just very traumatic moving mm-hmm. to the South. Yeah, I have a lot of people ask me, well, they, you know, my friends in New York are thinking about retiring now and mm-hmm. pre- preparing and trying to figure out where they want to go. And, you know, they ask me how I feel about Georgia. And I mean, you know, it's, it's, and these are political people. So, you know, we can talk about that as far as, you know, they're moving towards a place that, they their politics is being supported mm. you know the whole racial um inequality even if you have to get a part-time job you're going to be working for $7. 30 to eight dollars an hour and see wow. that that was the difficult part for us moving from new york we had new york bills mm-hmm. and my husband had to become accustomed to making a georgia salary so what was behind the eight ball?
0: What brought you to Athens or what brought he you to Georgia?
1: Yes, he did not want to raise his daughters in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. I brought him to Georgia to uh, meet my aunt, my mother's best friend, who I, I and he loved it. He thought, Wow, this reminds me of Puerto Rico, you know, the oh, trees cool. and the air and all this. And he was like, This is definitely a place I could see raising my family. But we did not, and because she had moved from Long Island, her husband worked for Grumman and retired, and he retired from the military. So they, the money issue, wasn't a factor for them. Mm. But we didn't know this, so we get down here, and it was just terrible. I let me just uh, give you this experience. I I had worked with the for a brokerage house. I worked Mm -hmm. on Wall Street, also like my mom. Mm -hmm. You know, so I had the financial experience. Mm-hmm. So we're here, I'm doing, you know, you know looking for jobs and setting up interviews. I'm not getting anything. And I'm saying, wow. what the heck, you know? Yeah. So finally I get an interview to work at a hotel and it was bookkeeping. Cause back then they still used that term bookkeeping mm-hmm. and it was by phone and they were just loving, yo, you, you know, we see your resume, you're definitely qualified. We're looking forward to having you here, blah, blah, blah. Candelario for them was Italian, mm. uh, Puerto Rican, Italian, and certainly mm. not an African American woman. Mm. So I set up an interview for nine o'clock, and I get there. I'm there like eight forty-five, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting, and I've got on the heels. You know, I'm I'm New York. Yeah, you know, sit there. I'm sitting there nine fifteen. I'm you know looking at my watch because you know that's what New Yorkers do. Yeah, You know, we're on time, we're, right. we're on, we're running on a yeah. time schedule here. So I walk up to the desk and I said, hi, yes, it's me again, Margot Candelaria. I had an appointment with such and such and such at nine o'clock. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay, hold on one minute. Let me, let me go back and check. Goes back, comes back to me and says, Miss Candle, now we can't pronounce my name we already hired someone for that position. So oh my God. you're talking about, and I back then I didn't even have locks. So that was I would be excuse. furious. Oh my God. Standing up on my head and I went home. I was just, Ooh. I was in tears. Yeah. And so my husband yeah. said to me at that time, you stay home. i work. Because it was obvious. Mm. Yeah. I had too much, whatever. It was too mm. much for them. Yeah, so that was my first encounter with blatant racism. In the South. In the South. I mean, I dealt with it in New York City, but it wasn't, It you know, New Yorkers can be abrasive. Mm-hmm. You don't take it personally. It's like somebody, you know, you, you're like, you know, whatever. Right. right. But here, this it was this covert mm-hmm. thing going on. And it was almost as if I was I was not intelligent enough to understand what was happening. Mm. You don't know what we're doing. We're going through the back door and you don't see it. Yes. But I saw it from the very yeah. beginning. Right. I saw it. And then when you mispronounce my name, but you know, when we go back, you know, the day before, it's oh <laughs> you know all this on the phone mm-hmm. you that's... cannot identify me as a person of color by the way i speak but then when i walked in there mm. it was a whole different ball game mm. so you didn't they didn't feel that i could represent their company and you know what you're right I don't, I don't want to represent your company yeah
0: especially if they have that kind of obvious racist bias i mean that's horrific
1: it's horrific, and it still exists. My, the area that I live in, I think there's four Black families in my town. Wow.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I was curious what it felt like in Georgia right now, because I've lived in— What it's in... always felt like. Okay. If there's no change? Like, you're not seeing, like, a wave of—
1: There are plenty of organizations, and I'm sure they'll, will, they'll be listening um, to the podcast <laughs> that are working— Uh Um, really hard at bridging the gap. And I'm sure it works for some, but it Mm -hmm. it has not touched me. Mm -hmm. It has not touched my business in any way, shape or form, not by means of the book, the art or the farming. Someone said to me today when I went to the post office, she said, you're going to be far grander than this community you know, mm, and I so maybe that, that yeah. yeah. So, and then she said, and she's uh, she's a, a a Caucasian woman. She said, "I hate this county, and when my son graduates from high school, I'm moving." Mm-hmm. She said, "Because no one here wants to help anybody."
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so I had an order today. This mm-hmm. is so. This is interesting. I had an order today for my jalapeno peppers. They look awesome. Yeah. Guess where where I I shipped them to? New York. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yes. Yes. Wow. Isn't that interesting? That is wild. New York. So what's going on with the community here? Yeah.
0: Well, I wonder what would feel, just thinking of like how to make a positive change, I'm curious if there's anything...
1: I think that people here are kind of stuck in. You're not, you're not staying in your place. God, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that is. And because I've, it is. And because Sarah, I've never worked for a business here. I did work for the um, senior center for a little, for two years, um, which was a County job. But because I don't work for anyone, I cannot be controlled. Mm-hmm. So once, you, know, you. you someone is giving you a check, then yeah. they can do and say as they please because right. they own you. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe if you don't support my business, I don't get your money. But then I have people from New York ordering my peppers.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's get the world to support you. So you send, you ship nationwide?
1: I ship them today. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well. And my art too, you know, my art. um, Yes. You know, I I sell, I have art from here to Hawaii. Mm. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the art, you know, I don't know. I'm not quite sure how to navigate the art world in 2020. I don't either. No. I don't know if there's a, if people are even interested, but I do feel like this is a time for artists, especially mm-hmm. if you're a storyteller mm-hmm. with your art, to express those feelings for, uh, that, that you or your community might have and just not able to voice. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to always be a political statement, but, right. but it, it still needs to be a statement of how you're feeling, you know, Mm. expression. So all the Basquiat's that are out there, you know, put your work out. But I I really don't know what entities are out there looking for this kind of thing. I don't know if it's private collectors. I don't know if museums are ready to, you know, shop that market. I have no idea.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's expanding. I definitely... Don't know what to do with my own work,
1: but I'm trying to figure it out. But you know what? Again, then it's a question of, um, well, how much is, you know, because I saw um, someone else was doing an auction. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know who they are, but they, they're they on my feed and they started the auction at $100. Mm-hmm. I don't pick up my pastel for $100. I will yeah. pick it up <laughs> out the box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, 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 ah you know i just I know so that might be an issue too that maybe instagram is not the place
0: but yeah i'm i'm kind of in a similar i'm just trying to understand like how to merge because i have different businesses and different interests and so i'm trying to figure out how to connect them or keep them separate or keep them different and so i'm right. loving i'm loving talking to other people and understanding how other people are navigating that i love that Oh, my gosh, Margo, you're so talented. That's wonderful.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: Yeah, so you make it
1: way. all worthwhile when you <laughs> when I'm able to talk to somebody that really appreciates, you know.
0: That's a lot. That's Oh, my gosh, that's <laughs> so wonderful. So I just want to honor your time, and maybe I'll just have you briefly, we can just do a little wrap-up and briefly mention – just the best ways for people to connect with you and to support you there or from afar. So if I don't know if you sell some of your
1: herbs online or I do. I have I have them the tincture tinctures and roots on my website awesome. on youngfemalefarmers.com. I also have my Cash App and Venmo listed on my uh, Instagram bio. Oh,
0: Great. Yeah.
1: So yeah, it would be nice if <clears throat> we got some local support, but yes. if that doesn't happen, we definitely welcome visitors from, you know, near and far to yes. come and see, of course, by appointment, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> of course, by definitely. appointment. Yes. By come appointment. and And do a farm tour and let us, share our experience with with them and build and, and educate and laugh and, yes. you know, love on each other and support each other and come away with great conversation and lunch. There's yes. nothing <laughs> better than breaking bread with people that are like-minded or yes, even absolutely. if you Came, you know not really fully understanding what it is that we do or why we do it you leave the end result is that you do understand Mm, mm -hmm. yes you know when somebody says i get it that that you know is half the battle Mm -hmm. that's so true even if it's something that you say i i have no desire to do but if you can respect why i do it Mm -hmm. then i've I've won. hmm
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. I think you're doing really powerful, beautiful, important work in the world. So I'm just—it's such an a treat to be able to sit with you and to talk with you and to hear your stories. You're such a wonderful storyteller, and oh, thank just you. Such Sometimes an I feel like, Margo, thank you so much for your time and for doing all of this incredible work and sharing your story today. So we'll be, I'll be sure to have a link in the show notes, but how can people, what is your Instagram and what is your website? How can people connect with you there?
1: My Instagram is young female farmers and Instagram. And my website is young female com. Awesome. We also have a young female farmers at Facebook. Wonderful. And young female farmers or young female farm at uh, Twitter. So oh You're everywhere. We're we're everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love that. That's so wonderful. If my internet connection was better, I'd have a YouTube channel, but same here. I, my internet is
0: like, so in and out. So
1: yeah, take three days to upload a video.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know that's, that's the plus and minus of being in nature. So
1: yes, yes. Mm -hmm. yes. So yeah, we can, you can definitely find us there. And we um, welcome all kinds of interaction and um, conversation on the Instagram. I, I try to answer everyone who asks a question or yeah. wants to share a story. Or I have people that are actually sending me videos of their farm, of oh, their, what they're cool. doing in their garden. Yes, oh my I've been getting that. That's
0: hey, we great. just wanted to
1: share what's going on. Look at what I've grown. And I just... Really get excited. And we had a giveaway when we had our first thousand followers. Oh, and in cool. the giveaway was some of the infused oil and some heirloom seeds. And a oh. lady that won, there were three winners. And one of her winners actually showed, she was like, Look, these are my hibiscus that you sent me. <gasps> and they're like six oh, inches tall. Oh, and it cool. just. It just warmed my heart. I was oh like, those gosh. are my little
0: babies. <laughs> <laughs> that is so beautiful. Oh my gosh, yeah. what a great idea. And so I love how this goes. It's such a delicious oh, yeah, plant. I'm going
1: to have some tea this year because I've got, I think, nine wishes mm-hmm. coming up. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
0: wonderful.
1: Yeah, so. I
0: love that. Well, Margot, you are just a delight and a joy to speak with and to spend time with. So I just want to honor Thank
1: you. I enjoyed you. it. I really enjoyed Oh you. good. Oh thank yes. you. Well
0: I yeah really just loved chatting with you and hearing your story. So thank you again for making time and I just I hope that your farm continues to thrive and to do amazing things. I'm sure you will and that your art continues to grow and I'm excited to check out your book. I feel like it would be really beautiful oh
1: yeah you'll have to get it from me so i can sign it for you oh oh that would be amazing yeah don't get it on amazon i tell people that all the time oh good to know yeah so where yeah don't because get it through your website from me yes uh, you can get it through me you can just dm me and i can send it to you because i don't know who those people are selling the books on amazon
0: I know. I've wondered about that. I'm like, for any author, I'm like, do you really want them to buy it through Amazon? Like, it doesn't,
1: no, because it doesn't you helpful. can buy up a batch. You can buy a batch of books and then sell them. Mm-hmm. You know, or bookstores that have closed, they still have the book. That you know, I don't see anything from that. You know, yeah. so don't. Mm-hmm. Good to know.
0: Buy the book from. Yeah. You. Okay. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yes. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh, okay. well have a beautiful, blessed evening and thank you again so much for being here Margot. you are just an absolute joy, so thanks for doing oh. all that hard work in the world.
1: Thank you so much for having me, I really enjoyed our conversation, I feel like we ate dinner I together. know, me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was so... <laughs> 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 it's
0: true, it's so nourishing. Yes. Oh, sounds good. Thank you so much, Margot. Have a beautiful night.
1: Thank you. You too. Thank you. Thank you. you too. Bye. Bye.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode with Margot Candelario of Young Female Farmers. Be sure to connect with Young Female Farmers on Instagram. And thank you so much for being such a wonderful listener. I super appreciate you being here. If you're digging the show, please be sure to share this episode with a friend. And if you want, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You just go to Apple Podcasts, look up Time in the Studio, and click on the link to leave a review. It only takes two minutes, and it means the world to me and let's connect. I'm most active on Instagram or via my newsletter and email. On Instagram, you can just look for Time in the Studio podcast. And on my website, it's com. That's A-I-D-A-Z-E-A.com. And if you enjoy the show and are in a secure place financially, please consider supporting Black businesses and organizations. And I also have a Patreon fund if you want to help amplify the voices of creatives and plant people through this podcast I donate 10% of Patreon funds to black empowerment organizations this month and last I am donating to Crafting the Future. They have a really beautiful um, website and mission to create more creative opportunities for the BIPOC community and if you want to If you enjoy the show and want a little something special delivered to your inbox, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's a haiku and other little treats not available anywhere else. You can sign up for my haiku hello at adazia.com. Thank you again so much for being here, and I hope you enjoy your time. Toodaloo!